Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the All Ball Podcast with your host, Ruth Vicalala, and... It's your boy, Samir. How y'all doing today? Doing good, you- man, but Rick? it's been a long time. It's been a really, really long time. Like, probably what, like, oh my gosh, like a month or two? We went into hibernation. When the world needed us the most, we went into hibernation. Yeah, in Portugal, and I was, like, falling asleep on the mic because I was so tired. <laughs> All that traveling, yeah. Man, yeah, it has been a long time. Um, you know, so we have we have a special guest today. Uh, we have one of my friends, Matthew, here, who is actually a Great. basketball savant. Uh, some would say that he has the knowledge, uh, you yeah. know, a greater knowledge than us two in some regards. He was already educating me on Malcolm Brogdon's, like, hurt arm. Uh, so we'll introduce him in a second. But uh, you know how we like to start Samir's sloppy segment. All right, Ruthvik, I am in Houston, Texas right now, man. And it is like 120 degrees outside, okay? It is extremely hot. That's facts. So I want you to tell me your favorite performance of all time where the player just got so hot they couldn't stop him. And I want you to to make it even harder. It has to be like a non-Hall of Flame player. Oh, man. Okay. It's like that's easy. You could say... Okay, like, I have one. E-Mac, you could say... You too, Matthew. I want you guys to think about both of that. Yeah. yeah. So, so one that immediately comes to mind is... Um, so obviously a huge Dwayne Wade fan, but this is also one of his like better games. So he dropped 50, I think in the garden, but in that same game, Jamal Crawford was just going off. So I was watching it on one of those like bootleg streams back, uh, in like 2008, 2009, whatever, when neither team was that good. They were both like maybe 30 win, 40 win teams, but they were just going off. And if you looked at the, the little like box score, it was just, Jamal with this crazy move, hits a three or step back. Dwayne Wade does something crazy and just back and forth. So I just remember watching that and the and just like the the creativity creativity with which Jamal did it. And that really sticks um to mind. And then another one that also comes to mind is Drakic, uh, when he was on the Suns, when he was back a backup on the Suns against the Spurs. When he comes in, I didn't like the Spurs. Like all my buddies at home, I grew up in Austin, so all my buddies were Spurs fans. So I just like, they were, I was just annoyed by it. Yeah. And when Drakic came in and just carried that team um, that night, that was awesome. Dude. All right. For me, I mean, I got to throw it back to one of my favorite Rockets, uh, Corey Brewer, who actually is in the Minnesota Timberwolves. He randomly scored actually 51. They were all just fast break points. And it's like the worst 51 points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he still had 50 you're like this guy had 50 like i think it was against the rockets too it was like it was ridiculous and it's like um you, that performance is crazy or like the mo williams dropping 52 it's like yeah, yes yeah, yeah dude yeah, and you're like, yeah. like who are you guys <laughs> just uh, randoms uh and that's just the talent level the nba anyone can get hot that one night and just like dude dude was feeling it and he had a career night and imagine people putting together every single day that's just greatness right there yeah and the court the cory brewer 50 reminded me of like you guys remember that lamella ball when he had like 72 and it was just all like like fast break cherry picking yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's kind of what the cory brewer reminded me of i knew i for some reason i knew he's gonna say cory brewer i i, I all, you know rockets fans they i go into rice and growing up he's rockets fans love cory brewer love cory brewer and gerald green yeah, like the yeah. two of the most inefficient basketball players. Yes, but get buckets when you need them the most. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're not relying on you at all, and the moment you actually produce, you're like, 
you're one of us forever. You know, like, like it doesn't make any sense. I remember there was a time, actually, being in Gerald Green, there was a time when James Harden was out, um, one of the early in the season, and then we just we literally picked up Gerald Green off the the streets, and he was dropping like 20, 30 points, and you know, we just hey shoot the ball, and he was just feeling himself. Uh, he had a certain energy. And he he carried the team up until James came back, and then you know I think that was one of the 2016, 17 team. It's crazy, man. Another Rockets player that reminds me of is uh, Josh Smith in the playoffs. I think against the Clippers. Yeah, that was a great. That was a great. Dude, I remember seeing that live and like, dude, this game. Yeah, sucked. when it, when they were down three one, and and Jay Smooth just carried that team. It was him, Corey Brewer, <laughs> and Jason Terry. Yep, dude. James Harden was sitting on the bench, and they, yeah, Mikhail benched him for the until yeah. the middle of the fourth quarter. So, like, okay, those guys just ran out of juice. Just finished the game off. Yeah, right yeah. This is like some random, random throwbacks. And Josh went off. Uh, yeah, that's good stuff. Clippers, right? Yeah, yeah. Who had yeah. just I think, cut him? Too. They just cut him. Yeah, and Paulo Paulo yeah. was like locking Chris Paul up or something. Yeah, yeah. It was like, that series was crazy. That's probably CP's best best chance. Yeah. Um, speaking of CP, uh, you know. He got it. Where is he going? We'll find out tonight. We'll find out tonight, you think, right? Mm-hmm. But um, before we get into that, let's talk about the NBA Finals. Ruth Victor, he did it again. They lost 3-1 or 4-1 again. And they made it, but they lost again. Yes, sir. We're, every year we, we get to training camp, and our goal is to just make the finals. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, another, another conference uh, banner hanging in the rafters. Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of already knew this was over, right? I mean... Jokic's peak, uh, some would say, is this season was one of the greatest peaks in NBA history. And I think before the podcast, Matthew was talking about how you can argue this is one of the greatest finals runs in NBA history with the you know the team he took uh, without a single Hall of Famer besides himself and no All Stars and no All Stars. Um, and yeah, I mean he played like the whatever the sevens, uh, you know the seating. I don't think seating really matters anymore in the NBA. I think we're at a point where the talent level is just so good that it doesn't really matter in terms of like we got through like four eight seeds, whatever. I mean, they're all good teams, but like there, there's only a difference of one. T- like it was just such a dumb thing, a dumb narrative to go around on on the social media and stuff. I was just disappointed by the overall NBA discourse on that. Um, but yeah, no, what a phenomenal championship! And if the Bucks can't beat the eight seed Heat with no Tyler Hero, that's on the Bucks. It's not Jokic's responsibility to somehow empower the Bucks to make the finals. It makes no sense. Those are facts, you know. Uh, but we should also give the Heat a lot of credit. They're eight seed. They lost to the Atlanta Hawks. They look like dead in the water. They're getting out rebounded, outboarded by the Atlanta Hawks of all teams. And it's just like all of a sudden there's like you know, on, yeah. Jimmy just got that dog in him. He just, yeah. but I guess he just ran out of juice or something happened. He just. <laughs> He looked like a different player in the finals, um, not as aggressive until like the last moment, like five minutes, and he he came back. And then he did a little too much, and he just gave it away at the very end. But still, shout out to the Heat, um, great, amazing run for AC. And I think that's like the I can't remember AC going this far. Nuggets, uh, right? I mean, the George, the George Call Nuggets. I think was the only one of the only other AC. Yeah, I think there's like three in history. I think I think the Knicks were one of them. Yeah, at some point. Um, yeah, and there's like two others, but no one, no one ever won in. Obviously, I know the lowest seed to ever win was the sixth seed. I think the Rockets did it in like ninety three, yeah. ninety four, something yeah. like that. And yeah. But still, just the odds to even get there are against you, and they just they whoop the Celtics. 
they you know whooped everybody to just bucks the- they took down the bucks pretty handily man yeah. and yeah. you know some people would be like oh Giannis wasn't there i don't care man that bucks team is still built to to withstand Giannis not being there for one or two games it has to be so but yeah, yeah. and again phenomenal season phenomenal season and uh phenomenal head coach exe- probably the greatest executive ever pat riley in my opinion Sure. Um, I mean, him and Jerry West go head to toe, head to toe, but I think you got to give it to Pat Riley now. So it's like one A, one B. I mean, yeah. I mean, Pat Riley's are so involved in the organization, the game, but you could argue that Jerry West has been his influences across multiple, multiple organizations. You know, Lakers, Clippers, even Memphis for a little bit before he went to the Clippers. But you know, everyone just respects his opinion. Um, he's just such a great consultant he just looks at the game in a different way he's he has that weird like yeah i'm an old ass man but like i'm i know what i'm talking about and yeah. uh, and it's like he, he he's very receptive to new ideas new concepts because he's just like oh i didn't it comes with fundamentals and you know what what i see is talent uh he's a great talent evaluator i remember him like I think he traded up for Kobe, right? That was him. He traded away Vladi Divac for that, that was jerry west yeah yeah exactly. yeah, but yeah yeah i mean dude, yeah yeah Great organization. I'm sure the Heat will be back. But the the question I have for both of you guys is: Do the Nuggets repeat? Are we on the verge of a Nuggets dynasty in some regards? Like you know, a couple championships in the next couple six seven years. No, I think it's too hard to predict. Like you said, the NBA is the most talented it's ever been in the history. You're talking about that's why they introduced a play, and you know, you're looking at teams like well. It's interesting to see because the team start start take slacking off in the regular season with this new NBA reward uh, awards thing with like sixty five games. You're gonna see a little resurgence in, in players and giving more uh, attention to that. But also just like you look at the, where the Suns were, the Suns were a four seed, but they were probably the favorite to come out the West. Um, you kind of look go up and down the bracket and just like nobody really had. The Nuggets coming out the West, even though they were like, "Yeah, they're a great regular season team." Yo, 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 but no one just gave them the respect they got, and they're probably gonna still get disrespected because you know, like I said, no All Stars, and only person on the team is Jamal Murray. Uh, but I, it's too hard to predict. What do you think, Rudvik? No, I, I don't think so. I don't see it. Um, I think we try to do the same thing when the Bucks won the other year, where we were like, "Oh yeah, this is going to be a dynastic run." Giannis is so young; they have such great pieces. But like you guys have said, there's just too much talent in the league. Injuries are it's seemingly at an all-time high. I guess with all the the play that these players have had since they're like three years old nowadays. Um, so injuries are on the rise. You never know how that can tip the scales, and then the talent like. It's just getting crazy right now, and then we'll we'll talk about it in a bit with some of the the moves that have taken place in the league. But it's it's a different landscape already, and we're only two weeks into the off season. Um, so who knows what what will the next couple months even show, or even tonight when when it's draft time? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I I, I agree with you guys, uh, but let me throw a little <laughs> devil's advocate here. I I just I mean the West. I could see them easily coming out of the West again. I mean. I mean, I'm looking at my Lakers, right? There's a lot of uncertainty around LeBron and AD's health always. Uh, can we keep this roster together? Can we keep Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura? Because they're probably one of the forefront to compete with the Nuggets, right? Then you're looking at the Suns with the new move. Uh, we'll talk if that really helps them, or is, are we going to see Brooklyn 2.0, right? 
I'll, I'll say that. I mean, the Warriors are probably crumbling as we speak. The Mavericks, eh. You know, like, I don't really see anyone else really in the West competing with them. With I mean, what the Grizzlies could do. So, I, I could see them coming out of the West pretty easily next year. If healthy, obviously. Man. We'll see. I think a lot of dominoes to fall. Yeah, and we'll then, see. I mean, Jokic had an all-time year, and he's had some phenomenal regular seasons, but... To do it multiple years, that's what separates you from just a phenomenal player to like one of the top 10, top five players ever. So we'll yeah. see if he can keep that up. I don't think it's the easiest thing to do. Um, do you think it's time to start putting him in the conversation of top five center of all time? Yes. Not yet. No. I, th- I think yes. You kind of list out the top five. Wilt, Kareem, Hakeem, Shaq, um, maybe Moses Malone. But and then he's in there. I think his his run of basically you just say, okay, back-to-back MVP this year. He could have easily got another MVP, but we don't, we're not going to count that, but he won the finals. He's only 28, but he has a lot of way to go to, to, you know, move up the ranks. Is like, he's in the, he's, he's on the track to beat Hakeem for sure. But then those, those other three guys will, you know, Kareem, um, what is it? Bill Russell. It's, it's, those are just like legendary status and David Robinson out there in there. Yeah, that's right. I, you could argue he's David Robinson tier right now, just because Shaq. Oh, I forgot Shaq. Yeah, oh, like, there's a lot. There's a lot of men. Yeah, I, I think yeah. what I can, what I would say, I think you can start arguing that. Yeah, I agree. He's in David <laughs> Robinson tier. I think he's surpassed Patrick Ewing, in my opinion. Yes. I think you can also say he surpassed Dwight Howard. Like th- that tier of center uh, is pretty much kind of taken over. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But I think there's still like six, six, seven people in front of him. Um, I think Hakeem, like, you got to give Hakeem more credit, man. I, Hakeem's body of work on both sides of the court, like, is yeah. second to none. Um, I think all the time, like, he just gets disrespected all the time. He's got to do a lot more to get to that level. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of, you know, Western contenders, right? Well, before we go, go into, do we want to hear his, uh, his, oh, yeah. his, his origins? Fandom origins. Oh, okay. Tell us a little bit something about that. All right. So my origins come from, obviously, the Rockets, born and raised in Houston, Texas. I start watching the T-Mac, the, the Owl Rockets. And, man, it was just up. The ups were up. But, you know, overall, it was kind of like, eh, it's whatever. Uh, injuries were very heartbreaking. I remember my favorite season probably of all time was probably, like, um, when we were going toe to toe with the Lakers, it was like blowout. Oh, blowout the other way. Blowout. Yao breaks his foot. Blowout. And it's like ugh, we we were we were so close there. Um, I know T Mac was out of the playoffs, but it was pretty much like Yao Ron Artest of all people. And then it's like I think it was like I think Daddy A. Yeah, dude. We just had we Bob t- Sura. I remember that squad. It was just about it. Just brings up good memories, and we're just always a competitor, kind of like. The lesser version of the Spurs organization. Obviously, they have three Hall of Fame talents. We injury history and our luck, you know, stuff of that. But I became more way more involved. Um, Starting around the time Reddit became more popular back in like, I want to say like 2011, 2012. (laughs) I just, you know, browse Reddit all the time. Uh, You know, back then, even Daryl Morey was on Reddit, which is actually crazy. He didn't do Mm -hmm. uh, any things, you know, you come over uh, stuff and, you kind of see what other people are thinking, not the average, you know, fan at the bar. You, you you come up with like terms like, oh, you know, box BPM, you know, box plus minus, you know, win shared, 
championship shares, you know, you, you and you become more, I become way more interested in like true sheen percentage and stuff like that. So I kind of got the, I was on the forefront of analytics. So I just because of Reddit, I, I still browse Reddit a lot. Uh, obviously, like it's a lot of like, you know, talk, talk, talk and stuff like that. But um, it's still a good source of just like, just thinking and about the NBA and, and, you know, you, you, Dive deeper. It's easier easier to access information. We're in the age of information now, and uh, you know, and, and and that's why Matt's the official statistician of the All Ball Podcast. No. Official statistician, of course. Of Introducing course. your official statistician. <laughs> See in the background. Wait, that's not true. <laughs> Vibe check did not pass. <laughs> Dude, I, you know, it's interesting. I feel like you and Ruthik have somewhat similar stories with the Reddit. I'm sure Ruthik, like, his, uh, you know, his NBA fandom really increased with Reddit. So that's kind of cool to see. Honestly, not as much, dude. Really? Okay. Yeah, like, I was like, I don't know. I've never gotten that into NBA. But I've seen, like, some of the memes and stuff. But I feel like I get most of my stuff from the either the mainstream sources or Twitter. Mm-hmm. Historically. <laughs> I just try to steer away from ESPN because it's like a LeBron fest, and it's yeah. <laughs> you're looking at the biggest LeBron. Fest. I love LeBron, but yeah. at some point you're just like, "Hey, dude, there's way more to talk about." For than sure, LeBron. Yeah. But 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 no, I, I I think Reddit is awesome. I just like never got into it to the level that I think some people did. But... It, it gets very memey and childish too. So then yeah, it got so big to the point where they had to start its own like second reddit for like adult discuss discussion oh really really more active on that you know browse that more it's called like nba discussion literally and uh-huh. like a, a text minimum or like you know hey you just can't put like one word like haha you know or like yeah you know because yeah. a meme joke we're in the age of jokes everyone's a clown comedian these days because it's not safe <laughs> but, uh, but uh you know that's where i'd like to get I like a little bit more nuanced takes uh, rather than just like hot take, hot take. And it's like, it gets very, um, you know, old, very fast. But also the Rockets, uh, dude, the Rockets were the most hated team on Reddit because of uh, James Harden. They're like, oh, foul baiting, this, that. Yes, yes. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Literally, you know, it, it became a meme that he was, you know, people were like, oh, he's literally Hitler, you know, like stuff like that. <laughs> um, but he's like a basketball terrorist. You know, but, <laughs> Man, to do, to do, yeah. <laughs> so uh i yeah. you know there were the times when the rockets are losing i just, just stray away so um it's it's love hate relationship with that to be honest for yeah. sure that's cool that's a cool origin that's a unique origin man um you know actually one of my favorite rocket teams besides that actually was the steve francis katina mobley team <laughs> way back then like i actually like, didn't used to watch basketball back then to be honest because I was just so young, I was in elementary school, kind of like just I saw my brother watching the Rockets, and I, like I said, my first really teams is Shane Badgay getting traded here, mm-hmm. um, you know, Yao, T Mac, and that's where it all took off. I think in middle school range, I wasn't really a fan back in elementary school. Yeah, well, glad to have you here now, man. Um, we, it's good to have a statistician on board. Ruthik spits out BS all the time, <laughs> so. Hey, that's, 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 pro, that's some projection for all the psych, psychi- psychiatrists out there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, I kind of alluded to it briefly earlier. We are speaking about some Western Conference, you know, contenders. Uh, and now they weren't, you know, the, the, they didn't get the biggest piece per se, I guess. Uh, but let's talk about this Porzingis trade real fast. And then we'll talk about the big heavy hitter with the Bradley Beal one. Um, so this happened this morning. It fell apart last night and then happened again. So 
How do we feel about this trade for the, the Wizards? I think got Trey Jones, Daniel Gallinari, and a pick or something. The Celtics somehow got two first round picks and Porzingis, and then the Grizzlies get Marcus Smart. Uh, is this uh, moving the needle for any of these teams? Is it helpful for any of these teams, or is it just eh? I think I like it for the Celtics. I think Ty, I love Tyus Jones. I think he's just a phenomenal, he's the best backup point guard in the league. I think he'll spell those minutes quite a bit um, on the Celtics and kind of get them into their sets a lot easier. And, yeah, Tyus went to the Wizards, not not the. Yeah. Oh, Tyus went to the Wizards. Yeah, Tyus to Danilo Gallinari and a pick to the Wizards. And all the Celtics get out of it is Porzingis and two first round picks. Oh, okay. Okay. That's what I thought. But then I thought you said Tyus. So, okay. No, well, yeah. then I don't like it as much. Yeah, Tyus is <laughs> his starting role with the Wizards now. He's, he runs that team. That's his team. Yeah, I, I don't know. With the Celtics then, hmm, if you're just adding Porzingis, I'm not really feeling it, man. I don't know how that really changes what they're doing. I think what they lack is a player like Tyus where you can kind of run the offense through them rather than having ISO Jalen Brown, ISO Jason Tatum just switching off. Uh, quarters pretty much and then chucking it out to Al Horford for a corner three well, like that offense I just don't think is sustainable um, and then like if a team with what nine undrafted players can bottle that up pretty good what's that what's it going to look like when Giannis is healthy or you have some more talent potentially come to the east soon um, I just I don't I don't like it I don't see how it really changes anything for them in the long run well, it changes now. Al Horvath's not chucking over threes. Porzingis is chucking up a three in the corner. Yeah, but it's the same same idea. <laughs> same idea. Well, <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, Brogdon was supposed to be part of this trade, but apparently there's a big health issue. Uh, and, you know, Matt was telling me about it. He thinks it's a shooting arm, shooting shoulder issue, kind of Mark Helpholtz 2.0. That, it, that pre- prevented him being involved in this trade, and that's why Marcus Smart got shipped to the Grizzlies. Um, so I, I, what do you, what do you think about it, Matthew? The trade? Um, it's kind of interesting, uh, to see because Portuguese Zinkas obviously, uh, was the main piece for the Celtics. But if you look at his stats, he actually had one of the best, his best seasons in a long time. He was shooting, uh, I looked at his stuff last night. He was shooting uh, like basically 50% from field goal, um, 36 from three, um, 22 points a game, 8.7 rebounds, two and a half assists, five point. One one point five blocks a game, and you yeah. you think like, dude, this guy actually had a great season. He was a you know, great season. Obviously, he only played like sixty games, but you think about what what the fit is, and you know what the Celtics have. The Celtics probably value the crap out of um, Peyton Peyton Pritchard, mm-hmm. but like you like you know, Rudvik was saying they don't have a true point guard, and they're running running the the ball through uh, Jason Tatum. That's that really, really lags him down, but they probably have a good guard rotation with Brogdon, Derek White, yeah. uh, Pritchard. They're probably gonna sign one more guy. Gallinari's gonna come back, but you never they, know. Gallinari's part of the trade. Oh, he is. Now. He's on the Wizards. Yeah. Oh crap. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But um, just looking at this team, you know, they needed some more backup big help, and they got their guy with uh, Porzingis, who can still stretch out the floor. I still, and then they're gonna lose Grant Williams too. So that's more of kind of like uh, they're bolstering their front court and just saying, hey, like, we can downsize and now play a big, big lineup rather than, you know, like Mark Starr is a heart and soul of the team. But, you know, overall, I don't think it moves the needle for them <laughs> that much, but it gives them 
higher <laughs> it gives them a higher ceiling and a lower base mm-hmm. and that's what they kind of wanted uh and because they've seen their the last few years like hey we just we're there but we're not there and we're clearly not there uh with smart so they 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 know what they're doing and they're probably going to package those two first round picks to get another guard a veteran they might even potentially even swing something for chris paul if they can like Oh, get him on a veteran minimum. I think he might be a favorite to sign with that team. And he actually might, you know, that actually might be in their favor if they actually get Chris Paul out of this on a vet minimum, yeah. if it's possible. Um, for the Wizards, obviously, they're just trying to tank and they just realize their management, front office, whatever, just realize it's like, hey, we'll just take negative assets and uh, just try to rebuild their draft. For Memphis, I like it. It's basically just a Mark Smart is their Dylan Brooks replacement once jaw comes back makes sense they can uh still play together uh but it kind of make it kind of is kind of weird though because desmond bain and mark smart kind of share a position uh they not sure if they want to play that small on the court you know with mm-hmm. bain uh bain smart and morant all on the court at the same time so they're probably going to stagger their minutes uh but the, i think the most interesting part about this is how porzingis is just so undervalued or looks like his value is just not there, even though he had one of the best his best seasons recently. Because he had a thir- he he accepted his thirty six million dollar um, opt-in, yeah. right? And usually the players always decline unless they have uh, a they only accept it if they can't field like a similar offer for long term money. So he's this is another like prove it kind of year for him, uh, whether it be performance or game. So. He might be in for a bigger bag, and he's trying to get the max money of $30 million, or he could see his value tank down to like 18 20 a game yeah. or a year. Yeah, I, I think that like with the Porzingis piece, one thing that I'm interested to see is it's easy to put up – it's a lot easier to put up big numbers on a bad team where there's nothing else going on. You can You're free. You have free will to do whatever. Where now you're like a third cog in this um, – uh, three-headed attack the Celtics have. How is that going to look? How are you going to be able to fit in? Are you just going to be spotting up um, in the corner, like a la Al Horford, or are you actually still going to get those same touches that you were seeing on the Wizards? And I just don't think that you can uh, feed all three of them enough to make that work. And it's not like Porzingis is someone you run your offense through. It's not like he still gets. It's not like a Jokic where you can he can still get touches or Alperin Sengun where yeah. they're running the offense and um, they're still getting involved with the game regardless of whether they're scoring or not. So that, that's what I'm a little wary of. The Wizards, an embarrassing job of tanking, um, in my opinion. Like, they're, they're, they've tanked their future and, and their present, but how do you not get more assets than what they've yielded? Um, it's, it's just shocking to me. Shocking, and, yeah. We're talking about Bradley Beal, right? Like, they didn't get anything out of that trade. No. They just and, took. They just took and, a contract to Chris Paul, and they screwed themselves over last year. Like, why did they sign him to a no trade clause? And even yeah. with the no trade clause, there's no urge. They don't have to trade him. Yeah. I don't know why the a favor was even done. I would have just held steadfast until someone else, someone budged. We've seen that happen time and time again. You don't just trade someone just because they asked to be traded. Yeah. Um, especially if there's people giving up like four first, five first round picks for Rudy Gobert. You can definitely get more than a second round pick and. Yeah, um, a bag of pretzels for Bradley Beal. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now let's talk about that. Uh, does this does this move the needle for the, the Phoenix Suns, or or are we seeing a Brooklyn Nets again, two similar positions? Does this help the Phoenix Suns? I mean, that 
are we going to still see the lack of depth? Because on this roster right now, your starting lineup is Cameron Payne, Bradley Bill, Devin Booker, KD, and DeAndre. Ian. What do you think? I think we're about to see Brooklyn Nets 2.0. I do not think that this – I think you have to do that <laughs> to your sons, but I do not think they're going to be able to field the depth yet again. 100% agree. Yeah, it's like – it's what I was saying when they, they got KD. It's like you, it all looks great on paper, and then you have no depth, and we're in the most like depth-rich part of the NBA history probably where from 1 to 12, you have people that can really play and really contribute – we saw how like Christian Ron, a rookie, had very significant minutes, very significant moments in the finals. So if you don't have any pieces to fill that up and you're just going to get uh, vets who are like 12, 14 years into their careers who, get, who are on their last legs to just fill out the roster, I don't think that's going to work, especially if someone gets hurt. And even if no one gets hurt, just what are you going to do on the other side of the ball? It's not like you have these elite yeah. defenders. It's a similar thing. We're, we're going to look and we're going to be like, wow, this is one of the most – one of the best offensively assembled teams we've ever seen in our entire lives, right? It was like that with the Nets too, but just did not have the depth. And also, I think with this is like, there's no leader. No, there's no soul to that team, right? It like, could, I mean, it's probably Devin Booker to be honest. I mean, he's he's taking a lot more of a leadership role, but kind of in Loki in a bad way, where you know now people are rooting against him because of the whole you know Luca thing, and he's kind of like. They're kind of becoming the, the the villain of the NBA when they were like kind of the lovable loser. They add Chris Paul, like, oh, this is a great finals run. Then they lose to the Mavericks. They kind of like everyone soured on him because, dude, he was talking mad shit to Luca. Luca was kind of backing it up because that, you know, that's the NBA's boy, Reddit's boy. Um, <laughs> even like, even now, it's just like, it's just, I mean, he was performing in the playoffs, but no one was really talking about his playoff performance. Like, he was the only like, Consistent part of that team. Eddie was more of bricks. Uh, they just didn't. Aiden was kind of lost in the, the clouds, you know. Um, but yeah, I agree. The 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 this trade didn't really move the needle because their needle was already so high because they were the favorites coming out of the West in this last playoffs. But I think this actually like just keeps their saying their needle was already so at like the maximum it could have been, and just it just kind of just well, it is upgrade. I'm looking at Beal right now. He's about to turn thirty this season and it kind of makes sense about why the wizards wanted to trade it as far as their own timeline they say dude like we just need to move on and just tank um brad's probably at his highest value he could be right now unless he's expiring um you know he only played like 50 games last season and he he hasn't played 82 games since 2019 and he, even looking back at his all his games he's only been healthy like three seasons four seasons of exactly season. He's always injured, so it's like it's not like the same thing as Chris Paul. Obviously, I think they just trust him, his leg, Chris Paul's leg. But him and Booker do the same thing. They share. They're very on-ball guys. They can be off-ball guys. But I think this past playoff performance, they saw, oh, Booker can we can run the offense to Booker, um, and they were running the ball through him, playing him playing the one, and just him just making every single decision. Uh, this does add a little kind of insurance to KD. I think it was more of a KD insurance thing rather than a anything else because they're like okay if booker goes down or kd goes down um we're not running it through chris paul or deandre because that's just not going to work um uh, it'll be really interesting because they, they got rid of monty williams uh things are going to really shake up now whether it's for good or bad and you know having a rookie or like i think it's a rookie head coach right no uh, frank vogel frank uh, frank vogel, okay. no. 
I don't know. It depends on who his offensive assistant is because he's more of a defensive guy. Obviously, he can manage the personalities because he has the respect of uh, that LeBron championship. Uh, but, you know, I don't know if he if he has offensive chops to, like, know how to run an offense with three on-ball guys and a kind of a unhappy touch-wanting center, you know, and then you kind of just have Cameron Payne out there um, doing stuff. And then defensively, it kind of like, do I think they could lock up, like lock, if I needed a, a lockdown possession, like three, four back-to-back lockdown possessions, do I think they could give it to me? I don't know. I don't think so. Like, I'm more, more confident in Chris Paul's defensive abilities and Bradley Beal's defensive abilities. And just the, having the energy on the team. Like, we talked about losing Marcus Smart earlier. I think it's not just what he can bring on the defensive end. It's just the attitude and then the confidence he breathes into your team. I don't see anyone that they have that can really galvanize the team. And I'm not talking about, like, a leader on the team. But, yeah. you know, like, we always talk about, like, having a crazy guy that can – like a Draymond where he's not the best player on your team, but he really breeds confidence into everyone and, and gets you believing that you could do something. Even a, a player like Patrick Beverly, when he was on uh, the Clippers and they, they had a great run with a bunch of players that were kind of misfits. They, he just bred confidence to a lot of those guys. So I think having someone like that is invaluable and who are they going to get to fill that position? And then, yeah, like you said, yeah, Cameron Payne. And like you said, like all the injuries that they've had, like these aren't small injuries. These are all repetitive, like muscle injuries, um, a lot of like lower extremity problems. And those are things that continue to happen, will continue to happen, with whether it's Booker, KD, or Beal. They've all had those. And as they're getting older, it's just going to more frequency. So we'll see if they even uh, withstand the test of like the health, the health bill. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, today is the NBA draft. All right, so we know the uh, the Martian from outer space, Victor Wembanyama. He's gonna go number one. Um, so aliens do exist. Uh, it's been proven. In, you know, recent UFO sighting too. Maybe that was just his ride to drop him off. Um, who's gonna go at two right now? There's a lot, a lot of. There was a lot of discourse between Brandon Miller and Scoot, but I think I just saw an uh, update that the Hornets are leaning to to take Scoot Henderson. Do we see someone try to trade with the Hornets? To get that pick, uh, the Pelicans, per se, is Zion possibly on the move? Um, what do you guys think? you guys think any cool he- big headlines are going to happen today are going to be a pretty tame draft? Let's let's start with that. What a precipitous fall from grace for Zion, man. Like, two, three years ago, we were talking about this guy. Like, he had the same sort of hype that um, Victor is having right now in terms of, man, this is the most hype prospect. We've done this like three or four times. We did it with Lonzo. Now it's happened with Zion. Now it's happening with Wemby. So hopefully Wemby fares better than the other other. But like you want to talk about that? Remember when we were, he was coming out of Duke and and just the expectations we had for him, and then now with uh, with all the transgressions on social media. What are your What are your thoughts on Smear? <sighs> yeah, man, I was always the biggest Zion fan. I always thought. He's gonna be able to do it, man. I, I, I think he needs to change the scenery. I think he needs. I, I think him and David Griffin just don't get along. Um, I mean, dude, when he's on the court, he's the most efficient basketball player in NBA history. Like, yes, like actually, offensive, offensively, offensive. the most efficient player in NBA history. But I don't know how many games. I think he's only played like a fourth of the games he's been in the league total. Yeah, I, dude, it's just it's a shame because. 
this guy gets his health together, he's like a stud, like MVP caliber player. Um, I I just hope I hope I I don't know if New Orleans is the right fit for him. I don't know if the NBA honestly is the right fit for him. Period. Like you said, he may just kind of wither himself out, kind of like Andrew Bynum at this little peak and just kind of go through it. But I would love to see him. Here's the deal. I'd love to see him in Madison Square Garden. But is New York too big of a distraction for him? Probably. So then where do you put him? Nowhere. There's nowhere else you put him. Or maybe Dallas. Dallas could be something that could be helpful for him. Uh, other than that, I don't really see another team. There there was a lot of talk of maybe the Blazers, Blazers trying to make a move and moving their number three pick to get Zion. I think if he goes to a place like that or Dallas where there is some like veteran leadership and you kind of fall in line, I think that would be great for him. Um, I think this is kind of – you hear this a lot in a lot of talk. I think J.J. Reddick talks about this a lot. Um, I've heard it in some other things. But the issue of having a lot of these young teams where there's no veteran leadership, so you just go in, you're essentially going to like a – high school camp and you just you have all this money you have all this time you have no responsibilities so and you have no one to keep you in check you don't have a Udonis Haslam on your team so you just kind of run wild and I think some of this stuff kind of can, can tend to happen when you don't get warned about some of the pitfalls of, of being in the league being um, a rich young person and, and then just the, the ups and downs with that so I feel bad for him but then also like this is these are the type of things that separate the the like the everyone a lot of people have talent everyone has talent but it's a it's the how you can handle the off the court kind of mental aspect of the game that i think can elevate certain people beyond others and we see this a lot right we saw like kobe steph lebron like a lot of these guys have these like long-term relationships they've been married forever this one person and they're like their entire focus is basketball and then they have their family so it's very simple but when you're so scattered based off all these texts that um zion's been uh that have been leaked on zion like what, do, what he's got a lot to think about off the court right it's not just wake up let me let me go work out like now he's he has someone pregnant someone else is out to extort him for with some uh tapes yeah. so it's there's a lot going on a lot to to juggle and he's probably only like 22 23 yeah 23. he's 23 and imagine pulling up some stats or such statistician always does and how how do you make the All Star games here by playing twenty nine games? That's it was, it was a joke. It was an absolute joke. No, the fan vote? No fucking way. Yeah, twenty nine percent. Dude, that is ridiculous. But here's here's my take on Zion. Zion and you, it's it kind of in your field too because it's sports medicine. His biomechanics is all messed up, and they basically have to reteach him how to walk. Um, I think they did this with Kawhi Leonard. Basically, like, hey, his he just puts so much stress on his joints, his ligaments, just from even day to day activities. That when you now you're playing basketball, dude, now you're just you're you're waiting to explode, and that's why they, they're like, dude, we cannot put him back in because he's just gonna tear something because you clearly don't know how to walk properly. If you can't even walk, you can't even play basketball, and so I think there were reports that hey, we need to teach this guy how to walk again. Uh, before you can even hit a court, and and when you're injured, you know, you know, and you talk about all these distractions and stuff, he eats big guy, he eats and stuff like that, and he just keeps eating, and you come back you're like, dude, dude, you're fat again. There are just so many comments about when he did the Mountain Dew commercial or whatever. They looked at him like, dude, you're obese. You look at him back in in freshman year Duke compared to like now, 
dude looks like Booger McFarlane, bro. Like, <laughs> like straight up, he he's just so so much bigger, and it's like, dude, like get your weight in check. Well, I can't do cardio, blah blah. Well, it's called a swimming pool, or it's called you know diet. You know, and it's just it's just not helpful for him. Especially, I believe his mom was his agent. Especially when you get into these kind of dynamics where you don't have that veteran leadership, and, and it's kind of weird because CJ McCollum's kind of a good veteran, probably the best veteran for him right now. But it's just like, is it too late? He probably just needs a change of scenery. To, uh, probably he's probably gonna go to Portland. Um, I don't see him going to Houston. Just as there's no one here to keep him check. What are we gonna do? Get James Harden and he's gonna put him check? No, it's gonna be like. <laughs> You know, it's going to be even worse here. <laughs> you know, um, but such a special talent uh, on the offensive side of the ball. I'm just pulling up his, his numbers. And it's like effective field goal percentage, 60%. 60%. And you're like, my goodness. Like, he just wants to be out there on the court. And he didn't even play his, 20, his 21 year because of the foot injury. Didn't play this year. He's probably not even going to – probably only going to play like 40% of the games next year. I mean, he's just – such so big doesn't know how to walk. Team can't <laughs> trust him to even do anything um, basketball wise. And then you got this all this off court stuff. He just signed in, in New Orleans. Is such a dumb organization, a bad yeah. uh, position to put yeah. because it's like you have to sign him to the, the extension because you're going to lose him for free for nothing. But at the same time, like it's a huge massive question marks, and you just want because you see the. You see that when he's on the court, he's there. But your best ability is availability. And he's never there. Uh, even his most played games is is twenty is twenty age twenty season. Only sixty one games played. He wouldn't even get a award these days for that. He wouldn't even qualify for that. So I don't. I project him to be kind of like a kind of a I guess like Grant Hill, Chase McGrady type, where you like the talent was always there, but it's the body's breaking down. You but know? I don't even know if he could reach that just because. Grant Hill and Tracy McGrady, from all accounts, like they worked their asses off, like and and, and they were in the gym, like really developing their tool, uh, their bag, and, and and like they just had unfortunate injuries. Like Tracy McGrady had the knee arthroscopic arthroscop surgery. Grant Hill, like I think, fractured his ankle like once or twice. Like they had significant injuries that held them back, and especially that's when where medical um, innovation was at that point. Now it's a lot better, but. My point is like Zion, these are just very avoid. A lot of these things are very avoidable from just having good check of your weight. Good. And it has to be like a, a, a 24, seven, 365 sort of focus on his physical fitness. Like forget even the basketball. He, he hasn't even delivered on that front. And I think we're have, we're getting into this point where all these kids, all these like players, they've grown up watching someone like a LeBron or KD have this sustained like fame since the time they were like 19, 20. But I think they forget that just because they were hyped up to the same degree as those players were, if you don't put in the the time and the effort to to continue that, your longevity will be re- like in and out. Like we saw that with, and, and it can be taken away so quickly. Like just because you are at the top of the Twitterverse or um, NBA Reddit or whatever while you're in college or in high school, it doesn't mean that it's guaranteed to go forward. We saw the Lonzo. Lon- there was no bigger name than Lonzo when he was coming out. Now, like his career is effectively over. Probably, no one's talking about him. He's just another guy on another team. And so, I think Zion and players like that need to be wary of that. 
because you you see some of these. Um, I don't know if you guys have listened to some of these uh, Wemanyama interviews. Like he, he had a JJ Redick one. He sounds so mature, like such a pro, like talking about his work ethic, like how he's going to attack the game. And you hear that, and you hear, compared to some people who um, are not just doesn't seem to be taking it to the same level. You can t- you can see which will last and which will not. I'm going to play devil advocate there. It's, it's probably because sometimes those interviews, some people, some people just want to be more natural in themselves. And women Yamba might just be more media trained, so he might be more like, "Oh, I, this is what I'm supposed to say." But off the court, you know, that's where it's all proven. But it could be, it could go both ways. I'm not saying like he women Yamba's not that guy, but it could, it could be just he's just more media trained, or he just ha- he has that personality. Hey, I, I know how much my worth is, and I want to play it safe rather than someone who's like. You know, I'm. I don't really care about what the media thinks of me. I know who I am, and my inner circle knows who I am. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, we're like, I I know we uh we always we don't really like Stephen A. and his takes stuff, but you know, actually, I was watching first take uh when the John Moran suspension came out, uh, and they were like going off about how the league, like the American-born players in the league, are just letting the league slip away to the foreign-born players, and mm. I think that's true i think it's very true and i think it's it's time for them to wake up i mean because the faces of our like american born players now are our jaw and zion like these are supposed to be the guys who take the mantle i mean they have the potential they they've been the guys they they can easily they attract the crowds but they're so foolish off the court and you know i think it's it's important now for these teams they really want to keep these guys and for the NBA to surround them with veterans like Udonis Haslam or even bringing in some sort of veteran program where Allen Iverson comes and talks to Jaw, right? They're very similar situations. Like, I think it's time for those guys to kind of wake up if they want it. If they don't want it, then it's gone. I mean, like you said, it will slip away real fast, real, real fast for them. And then we move on and then we try it with Scoot Henderson or one of these other guys, you know? Or otherwise, this is going to be a very foreign-dominated league, which is not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but... Like if you, as an American-born player, want to have some pride in that fact and not, you know, I mean, we're we're I mean, we're teetering with the point where we're going to lose the Olympics. You know, like we're teetering back to where we have to bring it back a dream team type of thing. Where like USA may not be favored in the Olympics anymore the way these players are going. And on a, a, a very like short like side note, I was looking at the players committed for like the FIBA World Championships in um, the Philippines, and that American roster is like. Like the eighth, the eighth, the eighth team, eighth team, or the seventh team. It's like not even the third team. Like we're getting like random dudes off the bench because, like, you know, maybe these players just want to play that much, or they don't have that American prior. Like, you know, it's not until we lose a big thing and we make a big deal out of it again. If we're gonna have to do another dream team, I, I, I already see it. It's we're gonna be we're gonna have a disappointing Olympics, and it's and we're just gonna bring out the A team again and whoop whoop everyone back in this shape. But yeah. But it's a good thing Popovich is coaching the Yeah, the, the, USA, the, the USA team, team yeah. Uh, I, I think it's a good point with the the league slipping away. If we look at like players under thirty, pretty much other than Jason Tatum, like they're pretty much all European. Yeah. Or, or like, foreign, right? It's like it's what yeah, like Shea yeah, Ja and Jason Tatum probably, but it's like Shea, Jokic, <laughs> Luca, Giannis. Yeah. Like just Europeans on Europeans now. Wemby's here, so it's it's interesting. And Joel Embiid, like it's just crazy uh, yeah. where the league is now compared to the NBA that we're used to watching and following. So that's a great point. Yeah, if if 
they want to hold on to it. Like someone's got to step up now. Yeah, I, I don't know who it will be. Uh, I mean, I'm hoping Ja will kind of get himself together because I think he is the ideal candidate to do it. Um, but we'll see. Oh, we may have lost Ruthwick for a second, so just me and you, oh. Matthew. Where, where, <laughs> what do you think is going to happen with the Rockets today? Um, a lot of rumors, a lot of trade things. But my, I think my ideal scenario is we just – we don't own our pick Hello? this year. And I just feel – yo. You back? We're talking about the you. we're talking about the Rockets since we lost. Yeah, them. okay. Technical difficult. Um, I think there's a lot of reports that James Harden's going to come back, and I'm really torn as Rockets fans because I love James Harden, but at the end of the day, I don't want James Harden to come back. I think he just puts us on a weird timeline, and he doesn't. He's just not a player that you can have as the first best player in the team. You see it time and time again in the playoffs. I've made so many excuses for him, but <laughs> dude just doesn't cut. He needs the ball. He gets lazy. Sometimes he just gets lost in the lights. You know, it was like his supposed to be, oh, okay, now I got Embiid. You know, we're going to be unstoppable. And now you're like, dude, you stopped yourself, condom. Like, what's going on? And um, he's just deferring more. I just don't – he loves Houston. I'll, of course, I accept him back with open arms, but I just – I ideally don't want him. Obviously, I think the top things are going to go down is um, – what happens at the three pick? I think, uh, but just talking about draft, there's so many scenarios. I think we should talk about what the Hornets do. For me, in my opinion, always, always this: you draft the best player available, no matter what, no matter fit, no matter you know position, whatever. If you if you draft the best player, you're gonna get a good player, and you're gonna trade to get value out of him. If you draft someone you you think is a good fit that can potentially like. Unless you have that luxury of a superstar on your team or whatever, clear cut, you just draft the best player available. I think the Hornets will draft Scoot. And then that leaves Portland with their three pick. I think what they're going to do is they're going to trade for Zion or some super crazy situation to appease uh, Damian Lillard. Just because Shane Sharp's timeline does not match with him. Um, the three pick timeline does not match with him his timeline either. So it's going to be like, okay, we're going to package him sharp and someone maybe like but you, i think about who's available maybe miles turner is available they might go out and reach uh get miles turner because um what's what, the blazer center uh Nurkic, he's always hurt always hurt and yeah. he's not that good he yeah. can't really play defense he's kind of more of a good backup now a great backup yeah. but uh yeah just i know i have no faith in uh Nurkic, and then they probably might go out and get Miles Turner or Zion. They might do a three three trade, three right turn. Oh. Yeah, they might trade the three pick to New Orleans, or no, they probably trade the three pick to uh, Indiana and and give Shane Sharp to uh, the Pelicans or some type of weird thing where they just like mm. throw away all their young players and go all in for Dame's last run, and that leaves the Rockets. And um, you know there was. Ru- Reports that oh, okay, we're gonna go get um, Eamon Thompson, right? Eamon Thompson, Thompson, or uh, Jalen Brown, but it's more looking looking likely that Brown was gonna fulfill his the end of his contract, and then he'll make a decision with the um, the Celtics. So I think the best course is just we just get Eamon Thompson. But any report right now, I've seen so many NFL things, NBA things. Everything's a smoke screen until it's not. I think that Rocks are playing it like the Houston Texans did. Nobody knows what they're going to do until they do it, and they might just go all in and do some crazy stuff. Um, but, yeah, hopefully I hope we get 
Brandon Miller or Scoop Henderson if we, they fall to us. Yeah, that's interesting. So Matthew's saying there's going to be a big move with Zion Williamson today. I actually think I I don't know. I think stuff's going to stay put. Um, the the Blazers may do something. They may trade down. I think they want Scoot if they can, but yeah. I mean, I guess you're right. It's likely if any team trades, it's going to be the Blazers because, like, does Brandon Miller really elevate you? Like, if if, if they go ahead and draft someone, that means Dame's on the move. And, and if Dame's on the move, that means the Miami Heat are calling and they're going to – the Miami Heat will get Damian Lillard in, in, in that jersey. Then you got to think about the contracts and, and yeah. stuff like that. But I think if Dame goes anywhere, it's the Miami Heat. A really, really, really interesting one – uh, potential line landing spot. The Kings. The Kings. I mean, obviously, like, uh, they're kind of a dark horse in this. No one expected anything from this year, but they kind of exceed expectations. But now, like, do they, how do they follow up this season? You know, it would been one thing to get the eight seed. Oh, cool. They'll get the eight seed again. But now it's like, oh, they were the t- two seed, three seed. And they're like, how do they follow this up? And they're in a kind of a weird, good spot to be, but it's not a good spot to be. Because they're also on a little bit older timeline too, and I think Zion kind of fits their timeline too, but not not like a early draft pick. You know. Yeah, that Either. would be interesting if they could somehow swing getting Zion. Yeah, I don't. I don't well, think that they have the assets. Yeah, I think the only honestly the only teams that really have the assets right now are the Heat. I mean, the Heat is like the one team with a lot of assets. So we'll see. I think it'll be very interesting. Um, I can't wait to see the draft today. Uh, Ruth, any last little? Pointers or any last little thoughts? I don't think so, man. I think it'll be a very exciting draft. I think the drafts have, have started to become more and more exciting, especially um, with wow. a lot of the teams now, even in the back half, like the Nuggets, mm-hmm. actually using uh, the players that they're getting to build some championship rosters or add some much-needed depth. I think that Lakers pick at 17 will be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the there's Wemby's teammate, Bilal, He's supposed to yeah. be like the sleeper, mid tens, maybe late lottery um, pick. He's supposed to be really interesting. So we'll see if a team makes a move for him to swoop him up. But he seems like a really exciting prospect with a lot of um, natural tools, both both sides. So yeah, I'm, I'm expecting a pretty move. You guys know uh, what to do. Transaction Hit heavy like draft today. Yeah, I think that makes for also, great TV. Also, probably follow some Woj and Shams. Put your alerts on. There's probably a lot of craziness going on today. I think Lakers already made a trade actually right now. So, just for like some cash and a second round pick. So, but it was exciting. It's good to be back. Enjoy Lovick, my friend. Uh, yes, I don't sir. Know, I don't know how hot it is over there, but Ruthick's about to start his orthopedic surgeon residency. So, go get it, brother. Thanks, buddy. Good luck in Mexico. Hopefully, it's not terrible weather. Thanks, man. Uh, it was good having Matthew on. All right. Thank you guys again for bringing me on the All Ball podcast. Honor. It's a great time. Great talk. Appreciate the time, guys. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it.